Oh, that was really cool, hey? No, so cool. I'm going to share a little... I was trying to get these thoughts in my head and they may not come out properly, but I'm um, going to share a little bit later about, about Gideon. And uh, Gideon was an um, incredible man, used by God. But I um, love the story. I didn't... We all... I know Sarah's preached on the army of 300 and, and that was, I was Gideon in that and I forgot about that part. But um, the army wasn't just 300 people. The army was thousands of people. And what had happened when they were going into battle, God said to, to Gideon, you know, send, I think it was 12,000 people home or 20,000 people home. And then he was like, there's still too many. Um, you know, you need to send, you know, <laughs> you need to send more home. And it was about how they drink the water. And so another 10,000 were sent home. And there are only 300. And it doesn't make sense why I did that, but why God did that. But he did that so the Israelites would know that their victory didn't come from them, but it came from God. And yeah. I think sometimes we pray for people, we pray for situations, and it's like, God, why haven't you moved? But sometimes God's waiting for that person to be in a place that they actually go, actually, it's not by my own means that something changed, it's actually by God. And so in these situations that we're believing and praying for, maybe it's that, maybe I'm completely wrong and just on my own wavelength, but maybe in this season, let's be believing that these people, when they turn to God, they're going to know actually it was only God who broke through in this situation. And the Israelites were in such a bad place. You know you're in a bad place when God's like, well, if you're going to worship false gods, I'm going to hand you over to them anyway. So, and that's what happened to them. They came under a place of darkness and heaviness because of their own choices and going the opposite of everything that God had said. But he needed to bring them out into that place where they knew actually God's God and he brought us out of this with only 300 men. Anyway, that's the ending. Let's start at the beginning. Um, it's good to be here, and it's good to be in church. Anyone else happy to be here? Yes. No, it's good. Um, actually, I don't know if I can do this, but it's, I know it's Meg's birthday today. There's no one from Meg's family here, but <laughs> they're all out in kids' church. It's also Bacco's birthday. Oh, he's in New Zealand. Could you guys say happy birthday to Bacco in three, two, one? I'm sure he's going to listen to that. He's being, uh, so equippers over there have three services during their day. So he's doing church three times today. So what a great little intern that he is. But um, anyway, um, good to be at church. This intro is going for way longer than what I wanted it to. But um, it's preparing this week and just thinking about the messages that have come uh, that people have preached, whether Josh and Sarah or Ryan or... Colin or the Wells, uh, Mark as well, and it just seems like they're solid messages that are coming out and God's building so much strength and foundation and I don't know if it's just me, well Rosie agreed, so it's not just me, but it just feels like God's going deeper in us in this season and um, it's good. I think when God's going deeper, we're in a good place and we're positioned for God to move in our lives and, and for others as well. Um, and as well as God going deeper, it just feels like we're in a season of momentum where God's building and God's stirring something and it feels like we're on the edge of something. Hey, uh, it feels like we're in a new season and, you know, a fun fact, I'm going to read this because unlike Sarah, I don't have a science brain, but momentum is the strength or force gained by motion and I believe that, you know, it, does that make sense to you? Momentum 
is the strength or force that's gained by motion. So when something goes into motion, it goes into momentum. And I was reading this science thing about how sometimes like an aircraft can like go around the Earth's atmosphere and when it does that, it actually picks up momentum. Maybe that makes sense to you, maybe it doesn't, but anyway. And I feel like in this season, as, as we put our hand to what God says to put your hand to, and as we step to where God says step and calling us into, it actually sets us in motion. And when we do that again and again and again, that adds to the motion that happens. And when, when something is in momentum, it gathers more strength and more speed and more force and ultimately then has a larger impact. Is that right, Sarah, by looking at you? Adam's not here, so I've got to look at someone. Um, and I think the cool thing is that like, momentum doesn't have to be started by someone, and it also can't be sustained by one person. So as a church, we all play a part in adding momentum for what God has for this church, hey, which is really cool. And I've um, been listening to some messages from Hillsong and from Brian Houston, so Hillsong, a global church. And um, their vision for 2019 is revival. And, you know, what is revival? And what they put together in a little package is, so revival is to revive and make alive again. An awakening and coming back to the things of God. And, you know, another pastor on Hillsong said, revival just doesn't fall from the sky. It actually springs up from within us. And I think that in this season, we're going to see revival. I think in this season, we're going to see salvation as we walk out those things in momentum and um, even you know the sense of I know Leanne was just leading us and Sarah and Josh in praying for salvation but even uh, in morning prayer this morning you know as we as we began to to pray we prayed for people we prayed for families we prayed for situations God's actually causing us to look outward and I don't think that's a bad thing and it just feels like something across the globe God's actually stirring his church for revival and I love earlier in the year, Sarah and Josh shared their vision for the year. And the vision is to grow in relationship with Jesus and in relationship with each other. And I think as we do that, that positions us best to be in a place to see revival happen. Um, and what a cool thing, whenever revival has taken place, whether in the Bible or uh, amongst humanity nowadays, it's always happened by people who are ordinary. Yeah. No one special. I missed a little part of this. Here it is. Uh, and I love part of Hillsong's campaign um, for revival. They had um, these things on social media and probably on billboards that just said, imagine salvation. And I think they're on to something because I think how often in the natural, when we think of people who were believing for salvation, it seems so far-fetched. It seems impossible. How can salvation happen for them? And I think, you know, we've got to dream. We've got to imagine salvation for those people um, and look at that in a different way. And so may in this season, may we imagine salvation for people, may we dream of salvation for people anyway. Um, I don't want to speak too long or get into my message now, but I'm hoping to allow a bit of time that we can just break into groups like we did with prayer and, and, and pray not only for salvation, but um, share a little bit as well. So if you don't like who you're sitting next to, you've got a bit of time to move and find another group and find your people.
No one will get offended. <laughs> but what I want to speak on this morning is um, speak a word about not holding back. And I just think God's calling us this season to not hold back. Um, I think many things, there's many reasons and many excuses why we can hold back for the things of God. But I just think God's word for us is this season, don't hold back what God has. And the last few times that I've spoken, um, I feel like I'm <laughs> such a broken record. But because I'll pray and get a sense, and the sense that I've, I've shared is that like God's got more for us. Um, you know, God has more for you. You know, there is more. And I think that's true. But this week when I saw God, it was different. It was the same, but it was different. And God said, you know. Not God's got more for us, but God has more for others. And I think in this season, if we just focus on, oh, God's got more, there is more, we're going to miss the point. That what the real thing is that God actually has more for others. I know Leanne and I think Sarah shared uh, morning prayer. We, we live in miracle days. We live in impossible days and, you know, the opposite of maybe what the word, world says and society says, we actually, you know, the greatest days of the church are ahead of us and not behind us. Um, the greatest moves of God are actually yet to come, not in the past. And Patrick, last time he spoke, prophetically he said, you know, God has placed treasure in each of us, each of us for others so we can reach people. So God has placed treasure in each of us in each of us for others so we can reach people and what is treasure it's something of <laughs> maybe not like all the treasure chests but treasure is something valuable something of value and the cool how cool god's placed something of value in you and me that's for others that helps to lead other people to jesus doesn't matter who we are <laughs> what we are <laughs> Where we've come from, where we're going, there's something of value God's placed in us. Whether we know it, see it, believe it or not, it's there. And I uh, love this verse, 1 Peter 2.9. Um, this is a verse we shared for our youth ministry. Uh, and I feel like in so many ways, bless you, <laughs> it's really loud. <laughs> I was good, it was good. Reminded me, Rosie has this really bad sneeze. She, um... She can't sneeze properly and it's really loud. She goes, does anyone sneeze and it comes out of your nose? Rosie sneezes, it comes out of her mouth as a cough. Is that normal? <laughs> oh, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, we're off track. You're welcome to sneeze and cough or whatever. There's no judgment here. No, no. Anyway, I feel like this verse really, and this is a word because it didn't come up with a spell check, encapsulates in many ways what it is to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus. So 1 Peter 2, 9, and I've got like three translations, maybe Eb got the third because it's really cool. So let's go. So for you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And in the message it says, But you are ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be holy people, God's instruments to do his work. And did you get the Passion version? No? It's all right. I screenshotted it. Maybe screenshotted. Maybe. 
that's it. This is it. But you, it is it. But you are God's chosen, chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation, set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. And what I love about this is it talks about us as a people, and it talks about us, one, we're called. Two, it says we're chosen. Three, it says you're set apart. Like it talks about a holy people. Holy people are set apart people. And why? To be an instrument to do his work, to speak about his glories, to speak about the goodness, to speak about the good things that he has done. In one translation, it says, you know, I've done all this so you can tell people of the night and day difference that God has done in your life. You know, how good is that? Luke 4, 18 in the message, Jesus speaking. He said, my spirit, God's spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, sent me to announce pardon, freedom to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burden and battered free, to announce that this is God's year to act. You know, what are we an instrument for? We're an instrument for people's lives being changed, an instrument for revival. And Mark 16, 15, uh, Jesus' final words. Go into all the world, make disciples of everyone you meet. Any more, Ebbs? No. <laughs> That's the gist of it. Go into all the world, make disciples of everyone that you meet. And Sarah added in prayer this morning something to get you uh, thinking, a quote from Chris Velosen. He said, power doesn't come from the commission. It comes from an encounter. The disciples had an encounter, and may we, ha may we have one of those too. And I love this uh, parable that Jesus talks about in Matthew 22, and it's a parable of a wedding banquet, and we did this in kids' church a couple of weeks ago. It was all about Jesus invites you to the party. Uh, we had a little party, and it was fun. Um, it was awesome, actually. And so there's a king, and he sends, he's, he's having a party, a wedding party. His son's getting married, and he sends out these invites for everyone to come to the party, but, um, you know, shock horror, no one came. <laughs> It's a bad party, isn't it? So all the people who were invited, no one came along to the party. They all declined. And again, he sends out his servants and says, oh, we're about to start the banquet. The party's starting. Send out them again. And they went out and everyone made up these excuses. You know, I've got to get my cow for this. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And no one came to it. And in verse 8, the king said to the, you know, the wedding feast is ready. Yet those who had been invited to attend didn't deserve the honor and to his servants, he said, Now I want you to go to the streets, to the alleyways, and invite anyone and everyone you find to come and enjoy the feast in honour of my son. And I just think that's powerful. Like, I want you to go out and invite anyone and everyone. And in other translation, it says, you know, go to the highways and the byways. But I think in this season, may we go out to anyone and invite them in. And I think we know... That just doesn't mean I'm going to invite you to church, but sometimes it does. That doesn't. I think it, it's, it's let's be that light to people and actually show them who God is. And that's really cool. been listening to a song by a band. Their name Hillsong United. You might have heard of them. And one of their, one of their songs is called Ready or Night. I'm going, to, I'm going to read out this song. It might seem a little bit strange to do but I want you to 
I think this song is so personal for us when you sing it, but I want you to imagine this as a prayer for others, and I'm going to try and do this without singing it. No. <laughs> that would be terrible. You'd all go home crying. But it says, it says, come, come now as you are or as you want to be. It's a long song too. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come now, tired, broken, scared, or just in need. Ready or not, it's all right. Take your time. If nothing else, come. Come now. Bring your hopes, your dreams, your doubts, your scars. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come now. Bring your hurts, your fears, your faith, your heart. Are you ready or not? There's no place like his presence. There's no time like now. Every one, two, or three of us count him in here and now. He welcomes the broken. He's all right with your past. He's not mad at any one of us, but he waits with open arms, says, come. Come now, leave your inhibitions at the door. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come now, lay your burdens down. He's got them all. Are you ready? Are you ready or not? He's still faithful to deliver. Mighty is ever to save. He's still good on his promises, and his love still never fails. He's not moved by perfection or how well we look the part but he's wild about the hidden stuff like he's wild about the heart. Come now for all we have seen. We ain't seen nothing yet. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come now, bring him praise for what he might do next. Are you ready? Are you ready or not? He's already brought our freedom. He's already paid our debt. He's already done the miracle. He's already conquered death. He's our light and salvation. He's our rock solid hope. He's already done enough for us. He's already doing more. You know, how powerful those words, but how cool in the sense of there's people who need to hear that, hey. And I know that speaks a lot to us, but imagine what that would speak to someone who's never heard that before and haven't heard the truth. And um, before we break up, like I said, and, and pray for those people, pray for salvation, and talk about the things that aren't holding us back, I just wanted to quickly look at a few, a few people from the Bible. Who's heard of Gideon and Moses and Peter? Yep, everyone. What do we know about them? What do you guys know? They're in the Bible. They are in the Bible. It's, it's true. Hmm? Peter was a fisherman. Hmm? There were nobodies in society. That's true. You guys didn't tap on any of my points, so I'm pretty happy about that. But um, you're right, there are nobodies, there are ordinary people that God used to do, pretty incredible things, um, or great men of God used for incredible things, and um, I don't think they could have dreamed or imagined what God had used them for. Hey, it's pretty amazing. Gideon, love this story. I shared a bit about it. So he was used to save the Israelites, God's people, from the Midianites, and like I said, the Israelites had... Had, had gone against God. And God said, well, if you're going to do what I told you not to, I'll just hand you over to the enemy. But interestingly, what the enemy were doing, and the Israelites were like, they'd left their crops and where they were living, and they were like, living in the rocks. Man. <laughs> you know things are bad when you're living in the mountains and living in shelters in the rocks. But the Midianites would come and steal their crops, like steal the harvest. And I think that's so like the enemy comes in and takes the harvest, hey. So anyway, God's people under oppression from the Midianites, living in the rocks. Um, they began to cry out for God, and, and a prophet came 
um, and rose up with the word of God for that season as often what happened um, and came and spoke with, with Gideon. And what Gideon's used to do with 300 men to speak, defeats the enemy in victory. You know, God sends the enemy's camp into confusion, into chaos. They take out themselves. And um, after that had happened in the victory, Israel had 40 years of peace, 40 years of peace from that rule. And Moses, I think the same, very similar, used to set free people from an oppression, the oppression, oppression, oppressive enemy, the Egyptians, leading them into the promised land. And again, how many like incredible miracles happened in that story? I've been reading Deuteronomy. It's taken me into my Bible plan. It seems to go forever. And when you think it's going to finish, there's another 10 more chapters. But, um, you know, Moses led, I believe it was over half a million men plus children and women, uh, a nation, 40 years in the desert and into the promised land. And I think they did incredible things. And, and I don't know if I could do what they did, but it's always good to have a look where these guys started from. So we'll pick up in Judges 6, 11 with Gideon. And, and so it reads about Gideon. One day, one day the angel of God came and sat down under the oak of Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizonite whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress. Out of sight of the Midianites, the angel of the Lord appeared and said, God is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon replied, Gideon replied, with me, my master, if God is with us, what has happened to us? Where are the miracle wonders our parents and grandparents told us about? Uh, you know, telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He's turned us over to the Midian. But God faced him directly. Go in strength. Go in this strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? Gideon said to him, Me, my master, how and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan, my clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. God tells Gideon that he's with him. And still, Gideon asks for a sign, you know, directly after this conversation. He's like, well... I need a sign. Stay here. I'm going to go get an offering and you still better be here. And even as, like Gideon still didn't believe God, even as they went into battle, he was like, God, give me a sign that you're with us. And even still, a sign that was sent to him was uh, the enemy camp. They had a dream that they were defeated by Israelites. And I think it's just so key to look where Gideon started, a, a place of doubt, a place of self-consciousness, of what was going to happen. And for Moses in Exodus 3, again, super similar situation, different scenario. An angel of God appeared and let Moses in on his plan to set the Israelites free. And in verse 10, the angel says to Moses, it's time to go back. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the people out of Israel, my people of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses answered God, but why me? What makes you think I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of and lead the children out of Israel. To be fair, God didn't ask him, sort of just told him. So the conversation goes back and forth between God and, this, God and Moses, and Moses doubts himself. And God, even there, gives him a few things. He's like, look, I'm going to give you a few tricks. Uh, your staff's going to become a snake. <laughs> you know, you've got surprise leprosy on your hand. <laughs> Pretty cool party trick. But still... He doubted him in verse 10. Moses raised another objection. Master, 
Please, I don't, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words, neither before nor after you spoke, st- spoke with me. <laughs> Speaking of stuttering, I stutter and stammer. Moses continues to ask God to send someone else. And I don't know why God just at that moment went, oh, I'm just going to get someone else. This guy's a bit of a dud. <laughs> but um, God was committed to Moses and said, okay, your brother speaks well. Why don't you take him? And, and for both Gideon and Moses, the cool thing is that what God had said would happen in using them, the plan came out just as what he said it was. Um, both of them, they had treasure in him, in them. You know, God had placed something of value, of worth, not only just for them, but for others. And they couldn't see it at the time, hey. And I love how God persisted with that. And I think it's sort of funny that both of them, they nearly excused their way out of the call and purpose of God. And I think for us... (laughs) on our bad days, maybe even our good days. I think in our humanity, we all do the same thing. Hey, we all find excuses. I can't do that, God. I don't want to. Send someone else. <laughs> I could never leave my, lead my uh, family to salvation. Send someone else. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're perfectly placed there. <laughs> but um, I know even for myself, this, I laugh at myself, but even this week, every day I got home from work, and I'm like, Rosie, what are you preaching about on Sunday? <laughs> she just give me the look, and I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> But we do that, don't we? We always try to excuse ourselves out of what God's calling us to do. But God looks for ordinary, imperfect people to build the kingdom of God. And even in a way, it's almost like so we can look back and go, oh, it's nothing of us. It's all of you, God. How cool is that? And, and I just think this season, for us, it's actually a season where we're meant to not hold back And for us, what are the excuses? What are the things, the thoughts that we have that come up? (laughs) We need to lose our inhibitions and actually step into what God has to let go. And again, what's this about? God's got more for other people. (laughs) He's got more for other people. And yes, he wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use all of us. And I love the story of Peter. If anyone had an excuse not to be used by by God, it was Peter. (laughs) so Peter, he's the person who Jesus said, you know, on my rock I'll build, on my rock, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Um, Peter's also the person after Jesus died, rose again, that um, in Acts that he leads 3,000 people to salvation. But a few chapters back, Peter denied Jesus three times. And you've got to think, if anyone had an excuse to not do what God had called them to do. You're like, he was in a pretty bad place. I'm like, oh, I feel like your excuse is valid. <laughs> but how cool that maybe, maybe the worst day that Peter had, maybe his worst moment didn't define him in walking what God had. And I think we can take encouragement from that. And I think even his worst day, his worst moment, his worst hours, and he would have regretted that. He loved Jesus. He's like, no, I'm not going to deny you three times. Next minute, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) But the worst moment, that treasure was still there. That treasure hadn't lessened. It hadn't weakened. It hadn't dissipated. And I just think for us, sometimes our excuse is, I'm bad. I've done some bad things. I'm not good enough. I've had the worst week. That treasure isn't lessened by our experience 
by our highs, by our lows. It's just there. It doesn't matter where we're from, where we're going, what's happened. That treasure is God. It's something of heaven. It's something eternal. Oh, it's something incredible. And I just, it's not, in a way, it's not even meant for us. It's meant for others. And I said this last time that I spoke. I was like, if you recognize treasure in someone's life, call it out of them. Tell them that's there because we often don't see that. Encourage that out of each other. Let's nurture that out of each other because, again, we're the body. We want to see this church go forward in momentum. We all add to momentum. So let's not hold back in this season. And, you know, in a moment, let's break into groups and let's pray for people. (laughs) Who are we believing for? Let's pray for salvation. You know, (laughs) if there's someone you really want to see saved, but find it really hard to imagine them saved let's pray into that you know let's pray for that person let's begin to imagine and dream for salvation but what is it and you can be as bold and as honest as you want with the people around you and maybe you don't want to hear maybe it's somewhere else but let's open up what's holding us back what are those things we need to let go of what are those fears those worries those inhibitions we need to let go of to see God actually move through us how he wants to and I know for myself oh I could write a bazillion things of what I need to let go of I think just letting go of myself the way that I see myself I love the story of Gideon when I was a new Christian I was like oh that is me I'm the least of the least I'm a runt of the litter uh, maybe I'm not a runt now but I think I was pretty thin I was definitely a skinny little runt but I think for myself, I struggled because I was the first Christian in my family and I was surrounded by people who had good, solid parents, good, solid Christian friends, and I didn't have that. And I, I knew there was a call of God in my life, but I was stuck in the world of comparison. Hey, But I think sometimes we need to let go of our thoughts, <laughs> the way we see ourselves. I know Mark preached a pretty cool word last week about the voice of God and like where do we get the voice of God from? Like what voice do we listen to? Do we listen to the voice of God or do we listen to the voice of society, of the voice of torment? And I know Lee, we were talking about the voice of that pastor is listening to the voice of society. It's not, it's not God. And what do we tune into? The voice of society is always going to tell me I'm not good enough, that I don't have what it takes, that I'm never going to make it. Uh, <laughs> the voice of torment. <laughs> We don't need to imagine what that would say. <laughs> Spiral out of control. But the voice of God will always build us, always encourage us, always bring it back to who we are, who we're called to be. So I might pray for us and then we might split into groups. Does that sound good? You guys are all really good listeners today. You're super quiet. <laughs> yeah, so God, we thank you. God, we thank you where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in a season of revival, a season, God, where you're moving us as your church and pointing us outward, God. And Lord, I thank you that each of us, God, we've got something of treasure in our lives. I thank you, God, each of us, we carry something of that revival, of that salvation that the people around us need, God. And that treasure may not be for us, but it's actually for others. And God, you know, revival also means an awakening. And we pray for an awakening of hearts and lives in our community, God, of people that we're connected to, God. And I just pray, Lord, that we will be bold to imagine and to dream for salvation, God, for families, for people, for friends, for our loved ones, Lord, for the unloved ones, Lord, in our lives, God, that we wouldn't restrict what it is that you want to do. 
And Lord, even now, God, as we just we recognise you're going deeper in us and there's some things that we need to let go in order to see people be saved. And I just thank you, God. You're good. You're sovereign. You know, we're all a work in progress, God, and, and maybe help us to let go of some things, our inhibitions, our thoughts, our feelings, let go of the things that actually aren't a part of us so we can see your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you find your people, get into a group, and let's discuss salvation. Who are you believing for to be saved? But what can you let go of in this season? Ebbs may put some cool music on.